You're listening to episode 25 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a holistic nutritionist and women's lifestyle coach living in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I bring you thoughts or guests in areas of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle, and entrepreneurship that will help you gain confidence so you can stress less and elevate yourself to create the life you love. We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And today we're getting pretty personal. I'm going to start talking a little bit more about anxiety. Um, I've talked to a lot of people lately who have really struggled with it themselves. I have really been struggling with it more, I'm finding, in the last uh, couple of years, particularly the last month. Um, if you follow me on social media, I did mention it, uh, I've mentioned it a few times actually, really recently about having some difficulties with anxiety lately especially. So we're going to get into that more. But I did want to let you know first that I'm actually holding a webinar on uh, September 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, so I would absolutely love to see you there. It's going to be my three myth busting secrets to conquering your stress, willpower, and the all or nothing mindset to quit dieting forever. This has been something that has come up so often in the room to grow podcast, Facebook group. Uh, I ask a couple questions as people come into the group and almost every woman that comes into that group mentions the all or nothing mindset. Just this, this whole idea that, um, you know, you're either overeating or you're under eating and trying to diet and super restrictive about your foods. And then that usually always backfires. Unfortunately, I was in that place for years and it's tough to get out of. That's a huge, huge problem for so many women because we beat ourselves up about overeating, uh, especially you know, not, not trusting ourselves around certain foods. We then will try, and a lot of us will try to over-exercise to compensate sometimes too. We beat ourselves up and it's just this, this vicious cycle. It also all ties into that whole, oh, I'll start, I'll start something new on Monday. Like I'll, I'll start dieting on Monday or I'll start, uh, you know, eliminating this entire food group on Monday or something like that. We've all gotten into that cycle and it can be really hard to break out of. So this webinar is going to break down these three main areas that uh, I really feel play such a huge role in the all or nothing mindset and really breaking it apart so that you can move past that permanently, not have to stress about food anymore, not always be worrying about food. So I'm super, super excited about September 20th. If you're listening to this in real time, um, September 20th, uh, 2018 (laughs) at 8 p.m. Eastern and just make sure to go click the link right in the show notes. I've put it right in the show notes for you. Um, If you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, whichever, it'll be hyperlinked. So you can just click right on it uh, directly from whatever app or or anything like that that you're listening to. So let's talk about anxiety a little bit more. Um, I'll be honest, again, if you're listening to this in real time, uh, August for me was rough. It was really, really rough. And what's interesting is when I started talking about this more openly, a lot of other people actually said that they were having a hard time as well. And and one thing that I'm going to talk about a little bit is routine to some degree, because a lot of us, um, especially I'm, I'm sort of like type A 
recovering perfectionist. <laughs> so a lot of times I will start to struggle if I feel like I am not being productive. If I'm not accomplishing what I want to accomplish, if I'm not, you know, checking off my to-do list, I can really start to get down on myself pretty easily. So that's something that I, that I'm always working. It's, it's an ongoing thing. I have gotten better at giving myself some grace, but it, it can be tough sometimes. And I know a lot of, a lot of you struggle with that as well. And one of the biggest issues with that is that in a season like summertime, it's sort of natural, I think, to slow down a little bit more, to play a little bit more, um, to not have quite as much structure or routine. And that can feel great, but it can also be a little bit disconcerting and sort of, okay, well, wh what do I do now? <laughs> For anyone who's a type A, kind of like me, I'm sure that you're understanding what I'm talking about here because it can feel like, no, no, I, I still have all these things to do. I need to keep pushing. And then when our natural inclination is to just slow down a little bit, enjoy things a little bit more and appreciate the season that we're in, if that means slowing down a little bit, I think that we, we need to be a little bit more open to that because otherwise when we push so hard against it, it can become really anxiety inducing. At least for me, this is my personal experience. And anything that I mention in here, I mean, all opinions are obviously always my own. This is not medical advice. And, and if you're feeling super overwhelmed, if you're feeling super anxious, talk to someone. There are so many avenues that, that have opened up now uh, that you can go through to reach someone, um, you know, call a friend, talk to a loved one, whatever is going to work the best for you. Because what I'm talking about here is, is all going to be my own personal experience. So these are definitely uh, tips and tools that you can use and, and try out in your own life. But uh, as always, nothing I say is ever medical advice. So back to August, there was, there was a lot of emotional stuff uh, coming to the surface in several different relationships in my life in August. And I'm never sure what comes first, like the chicken or the, or the egg situation. I don't know if I was anxious because a lot of those things were coming up in my life or if a lot of those things coming up in my life were causing me to feel anxious. But one of, I mean, one of the relationships that was really giving me anxiety was frankly my relationship with myself because I felt like I wasn't getting enough work done by my own standards. And I, it was making me feel super disappointed in myself. Like I was constantly failing and it was just a really um, tricky cycle because once you're in that cycle, it's really easy to keep blaming yourself, to keep to keep punishing yourself basically and, and getting down on yourself about not getting done what you want to get done. Honestly, just for most of the month there, because there was so much emotional stuff going on as well, it was draining me in other areas. So physically, mentally, creatively, I, that's, that's ultimately why I wasn't getting a huge amount of work done because a lot of my work is creative based. So when I'm drained in that area, of course, I'm just not going to be able to get quite as much done. I wasn't working out quite as often. Again, I was drained. I, I was, I actually had super poor sleeping habits in August as well. And that is definitely related. I'm going to get into that, uh, into that more in a few minutes. The relationship between sleep and anxiety is actually really, really fascinating. There was just, there was a lot of procrastination. I was, uh, really stuck in fear there are a few too many friends reruns, if I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> and I also have found that I tend to function best when I've got a little bit more structure 
a little bit more routine, stuff like that. And, and that's been a huge transition for me, even just transitioning out of a full-time job and into full-time, uh, you know, work from home entrepreneur. And I'm actually finding ways that I need to design my day a little bit differently to maximize my own productivity because of that. So it's sort of a lot of different factors have really come into play here that have just all sort of hit at once. And there was, there was one particular weekend where I was just a nervous wreck for the entire weekend, uh, like just tears, the whole, the whole deal. <laughs> and I decided the Sunday night that I was just really tired of feeling that way. Sometimes I will actually, and this is, again, this is not the case for everybody, but sometimes when I've been anxious for what for me would be a fairly extended period of time, like really stuck in anxiety. If I'm, if I'm stuck there for like a few weeks, that's, that's generally a lot for me. And I actually find that I will start to hit a point where I'm just really tired of feeling that way to the point where it almost forces my hand to start making other decisions that will lead me out of the anxiety. And I decided that Sunday night that on the Monday morning, so the Monday in general, but I, I was going to start the Monday morning with going for a workout, uh, going for a long walk. I made a date to see a girlfriend that day. I put on makeup and a cute outfit after the gym <laughs> and I went to the coffee shop. I got a brownie, which as you all know, like I'm all about is still indulging in, in treats when, when you want them. I did some work there. Uh, and because it was in a new location, I felt a thousand times better. I just got so much more done. At the end of the day, I felt amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it made such a difference. And, and honestly, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's really hard to make those changes. Sometimes you're just not ready. And sometimes you might only be able to take one tiny little step. Some days, guys, getting out of bed in the morning might feel like the biggest thing that you can accomplish that day. And that's okay. That's completely okay. It's, it's something that is going to look so different for everybody. It's, it's also going to depend on the source of your anxiety. If, if you're maybe struggling with a huge amount of something like grief, that, that's going to look entirely different than somebody else dealing with anxiety for a totally different reason. And it doesn't make necessarily one better or worse than the other or, or more or more difficult to deal with, but it depends on the person. It depends on the situation. It's so individual. And that's something that I really want to stress is that we really have to find more ways to give ourselves some grace. And when we're in that particular season of feeling more anxious, that we, we do have to be able to accept that that's where we are at that exact moment. It doesn't mean that you can't start to, to find ways out of it, that you can't actively take steps to better the situation for yourself. Because there are some things, I'm going to go, few, go through uh, several things actually, that can really, really make a huge different, difference when it comes to dealing with anxiety. But it, it's just going to look different for everyone. And each day is going to look different for everyone too. That's the thing about anxiety is that it can really sneak up on you when you're least expecting it too. You know, I mean, when I, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? Like when I look back at August, I can see all of the factors that were sort of lining up against me. Not, not that I'm like playing the, the victim card here. You want to talk more about victim mindset, listen to uh, the last episode, episode 24, 
with my my girlfriend Christina, and uh, that will it it's it's a really interesting conversation to have because there is a fine line. We don't want to start uh, falling victim to our anxiety. We need to be able to try and take some steps out of it. But again, it's so dependent on the person, the situation. It's it's going to look really different for every single person. But the thing is, is that a lot of times with anxiety, I, I think that we we tell ourselves everything's fine. You know, I, I'm, I'm just stressed. This is just a stressful phase. And the problem is that if we don't get it under control, it can, it can take over our lives. It can keep us playing small. It can hold us in fear for all of the things that could happen, but haven't. I actually found a quote, uh, don't let the fear of what could happen make nothing at all by Doe Zantamata, I believe is how you pronounce her name. And that's, to me, that quote rings really true with something like anxiety because anxiety is essentially paralyzing fear and doubt. That is what is at the root of anxiety. And it's really interesting because I was never a person who identified as having anxiety for years, for years and years and years. It wasn't until uh, maybe three or four years ago I I have a family member who uh, has really bad anxiety sometimes, but it, it flares up. Like often this person is fine and then sometimes it will just really come bubbling up to the surface and have a really, really negative impact on both him and the various people around him. And it's really tough because, <laughs> so funny, I always thought that it was this person's problem, like it was their problem. And I was super sympathetic to it, but I didn't fully understand it. And this, I, it sort of got to a point where this anxiety, like their anxiety would end up causing me anxiety unwittingly because I would try and overcompensate or try and take on far more to sort of bring peace to the situation, um, to this person which didn't really work. And it would end up leading to poor communication because I didn't want to worry them about anything that I deemed unnecessary. And it really led to me suffocating my own feelings a lot. And that would bubble out in the form of anger, fear, resentment, my own anxieties. It would just sort of snowball from there. And it wasn't really until I started digging more into myself and going to counseling that I realized I'm also actually an incredibly anxious person on my own. I just never really identified it with those terms. I would just tell, I was one of those people who would just tell myself, I'm just stressed. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes we are just stressed. But when I started looking back over the years, I really started to pinpoint times when there was definitely major anxiety there. And going to counseling was really, really game changing for me, actually. It's something I still do uh, fairly regularly. Uh, we started, uh, I started going, uh, let's see, earlier this year, I guess. I had gone a couple times before uh, to a different counselor, but it just wasn't a great fit. And I, anyone who ever asked me about counseling, I will always tell them the, the most important thing that you can do is to find someone who is a really great fit for you. And that might mean trying out several different counselors. Because that's ultimately going to determine 
the success or, or the outcome of, of working with a counselor is if, if your personalities go really well together, um, all of those things have to be taken in, into consideration and making sure that you're really good fit for each other. It, it really comes down to, to chemistry to some degree as well. I love my counselor. She's amazing. She drops F-bombs with me. It's, <laughs> it's so funny. I adore her. She's so, so funny. And one of, I've learned, I've learned a lot from her. One of the things that she always called me on, it's so funny, is that when she can see that I'm getting super anxious, she tells me to breathe because she's, she says, as soon as you start to get super anxious, when you're talking about a particular topic or something like that, you stop breathing. She's like, I can see it in your chest that you just stop breathing. And it's so interesting because most of us spend almost all of our time breathing shallowly, shallowly. It's, it's just something that seems to be part of our lifestyle now, either because uh, we're sitting more often, which generally doesn't lead to the best breathing unless we, we really make a huge effort with it. Um, a lot of us are just really in the habit of not breathing deeply. And that has an incredibly calming effect on the nervous system. So when you're feeling super anxious, I think there was sort of like an old saying years ago, you know, like take three deep breaths or something like that. That actually stands really true. And that can make a huge difference to any time that you're feeling super anxious, regardless of the situation. The other thing that uh, my counselor taught me was about figuring out where in your body your emotions manifest and sort of the, the somatic symptoms of it. So she asked me about this one day and I didn't really understand what she was talking about. And she's like, well, where, where do you feel your anxiety? And I had to really think hard about it for a few minutes. But that's the other thing, a really good counselor, they'll just, they'll stay silent while you think. And there's a super awkward pause. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> and I finally realized that it was my, my stomach. And now ever since I figured that out, I notice it constantly that if I'm feeling super anxious, I, my, I sort of have trained my brain to immediately check in with my stomach and my stomach is, is clenched. And I have to usually like take a bit of a deep breath and that helps to relax my stomach. But it's so interesting, the connection between mind and body and really starting to pay close attention to where your anxiety is manifesting. For you, it might be something completely different. I've heard people say that um, their anxiety manifests in their hands and that they're, they'll clench their fists when they're super anxious. It could be uh, sort of like a tightness in your chest. It could be all kinds of different things. It's going, again, it's going to be completely individual to each person, but really noticing that can be super helpful because when you're feeling super anxious and you go, you, you sort of force yourself to do two things at first, take a deep breath and then sort of check in with your body, do a quick little mental scan. And as soon as you can kind of pinpoint that something is, you know, you're, you're clenching somewhere in your body or you're feeling super anxious in your body somewhere, like a really tight feeling or something like that, then you can also kind of go, okay, well, am I, am I thinking about things logically right now? Or am I thinking about things more from a place of anxiety? That's especially helpful if you're in the middle of, let's say like an, an, anxiety inducing conversation or something like that, like a stressful situation or, or conversation, because you may be speaking from a place of deep emotional issues, like, like emotional uh, distress, basically, when you're feeling super anxious, 
And that could have that type of conversation with someone could have a completely different outcome than when you're, you're much more calm and you're able to think things more logically. We've all had those situations, right? Where you're, you know, maybe you're arguing with uh, your partner or a loved one or a close friend or something like that about whatever. And you look back at that, at that argument later and you're like, wow, like I really said that I, I was really upset. Or you can see later on how the argument sort of escalated rapidly, or you said something that you wish you could take back or something like that. That's usually coming from a place of strong emotion. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just being aware of it and maybe going in the middle of that argument, you're, you're kind of going inward to check in in yourself going, wow, like maybe I need to just take a step back from this for a minute so that I, I don't say something that I regret or so that this doesn't get out of hand and we can maybe have a, a bit more logical conversation and, and see things from each other's sides a little bit more if we maybe just take a breather for a minute. That can be helpful. That, that, that I have found that helpful in my relationships. And hopefully that, that's maybe something that, uh, that you can use in your own relationships to really notice when you're speaking from a place of anxiety and use that uh, to your advantage actually as well. It's so interesting because I talk about self-care on here a lot. And there are so many ways that regular self-care can really be a preventative measure. So one thing that I'm, I mean, there's all kinds of, of self-care things that we could go in here, but one that I'm going to mention first and foremost is sleep. Yes, sleep is necessary. Sleep is also really a form of, of self-care. And sleep and anxiety are so closely intertwined. I actually, I did some research on this before uh, I recorded because I wanted to, to check into it a little bit more. And the research actually shows that anxiety can cause sleep issues and sleep deprivation can cause anxiety. So it's a two-way street and actually almost all psychiatric conditions present with some sort of disruption to sleep fascinating. It's so, so fascinating. Sleep is so much more important than we give it credit for. Various things that, that you can do to help improve your sleep, having a bedtime routine, um, you know, like shutting down kind of an hour early. I know we hear about this all the time now, but you know, trying to uh, turn off the electronics at least an hour before bed, getting to bed on time is really important. Um, like a, just sort of a, a way to start winding down the day. Exercise during the day that can really, really help you with sleep. Now, usually exercise, I would say like in the earlier half of the day, preferably because some people, if they exercise too close to bedtime, it can actually like wake them up and keep them awake. So if you can exercise uh, for most people a little bit earlier, it tends to do a little bit better for sleep. Um, not drinking too much water too close to bedtime. If you often have to use the, the washroom at night, that's a, a tricky one for a lot of people too. There's so many things that we can start to do to improve our sleep. And when I looked back at August and I saw how shitty my sleep was, it again, it, it's sort of a, which, which one came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, did I start to get into really poor habits with my sleep? And then that, that helped to bring on the anxiety or was it the other way around? I was, I was feeling super anxious. That was, you know, making me not be able to sleep very well. It is so hard to know, but just know that they are really closely intertwined. So whatever you can do to support sleep in any possible way is going to be really, really beneficial for you. Eating well. Mental health is also really strongly tied to blood sugar levels and keeping them in check. 
So it, it's interesting. I've actually seen this in action uh, have a huge effect on my family member who deals with some anxiety. And there was uh, one time in particular, and then we started looking at, at past times that this person had really struggled with anxiety. And we started to see that on, on specific days, they often wouldn't really eat because they were so anxious, which is actually not, not a bad thing necessarily, because when we're super anxious, we also don't really digest food well. So again, it's something that's very closely intertwined. So maybe you need to take a few deep breaths before you eat. That can actually just be a helpful practice anyway for anyone. Um, taking a few deep breaths or something like that, eat something that is, is maybe pretty easy to digest, but something that has like some, some protein and healthy fats and stuff like that, that will all help to regulate blood sugar levels. And what we noticed in, in my family member was that, uh, when this person was feeling super anxious, they were going basically the entire day without eating. And then when they would finally eat at say like four or five o'clock in the afternoon, they would almost instantly feel better. It was incredible. Once, once I noticed it, I, I brought it up to them and then we started kind of backtracking and, and it was so true that every time there had been some really anxiety inducing days that they usually wouldn't eat and that they almost always felt better as soon as they did. It was fascinating. It's really, really interesting to see that in it's a kind of in, in practice in real life, right? Um, exercise is also one of the most critical components here, sort of known as the best antidepressant for, for good reason, because it's, you're, you're going to be releasing endorphins. It, you get obviously a huge, massive multitude of benefits from exercise. It's going to help your sleep. Um, it may also help increase your appetite. If, if you aren't feeling hungry too, then that can be really, really great to help uh, improve that as well. And then just movement and walking. I talked to uh, Dr. Jade Tita in episode 17, and it's a it's an episode that will change your life. So you definitely need to go back and listen to that if you haven't already. And he talks a lot about that, how movement and walking are so helpful uh, to the metabolism and how walking in natural settings, so in nature, like if you can go for a hike or like a wooded area or something like that, can really reduce anxiety a huge amount, which is really, really cool. Um, some other things to, to look at about anxiety. Get used to having hard conversations because a lot of times I find that we will work ourselves up and get super anxious about a conversation that we know that we have to have. And then the anxiety just continues to build because we keep putting off the conversation <laughs> and then it just snowballs and it gets worse. And we, we create this big, this big scene in our head about how it's going to go down, how awful it's going to be. And then a lot of times you'll finally have the conversation and it's fine. It's fine. It's no big deal at all. And, and honestly, they, they are a practice just like anything else. They're a practice and they're a skill to be learned. And I have to tell you that getting used to having hard conversations is probably going to take you farther in life than most other skills. If you can start to have hard conversations and, and be honest, uh, with, with your feelings, all of those types of things, yeah, and obviously not to have them in a hurtful way. Um, we, we need to be coming from a place of compassion, obviously as well, but we do still need to be honest ultimately about our feelings because a lot of times 
when again, anxiety is, is rooted in like doubt and fear and, and all of those types of things. When you have that hard conversation, it just opens the door and, and lets things flow a little bit better. Anxiety is sort of about staying stuck, if that makes sense. And it's, it's something that when we have these hard conversations, because they're a practice, we're going to get used to putting ourselves in sort of those, those little bit, those trickier situations and maybe adapting a little bit better. And we feel so much less anxious after we've had them. Even if, even if whatever your hard conversation is going to have, if, if you have made up a worst case scenario in your head, uh, might that worst case scenario come true? Potentially. I mean, it depends on, on the situation, but you, is it, is it not better to have had that conversation than to not be honest with yourself or that other person? Because at the end of the day, and, and that can be a tricky decision, obviously, depending on, on whatever the individual scenario is, but ultimately having those hard conversations is going to be a, a best practice for you to get into. I mean, some of the tools to help people have those conversations is to recognize that by avoiding them, they're eating you alive from the inside out. And by being vulnerable with someone and putting your heart on the table, you're opening the door for deeper connections that you would otherwise miss out on. That's really important. And it's so interesting to me because almost every time I've had a super tough conversation, it has either ended far better than the, the picture that I had painted in my head. And I usually feel closer to that person because we had that conversation. Vulnerability really opens a door that, that we like to try and avoid because it never necessarily feels very good to be vulnerable. But once we do it, that is where those, those true connections are built. That's where those true relationships and friendships are, are rooted in is that vulnerability. I think I've talked about this before at some point, but if, if you just always have a conversation with someone where it's like, hey, how are you? Good. Oh, how's the weather today? Good. Yeah, it's nice out. I, there's, there's no, that, <laughs> that's not going to bring you joy. Like it's fine. It's whatever. It's, it's not a big deal, but that's not where that true connection is. So sometimes we have to open the door a little bit wider to let people in, in order to create that connection. And I mean, really the worst case scenario is that that person doesn't respond well. And if you'd kept that in for extended periods of time, how would you feel? Like, I can't answer that for you, but you have to really ask yourself that. How would you feel if you kept that in, you know, forever? Would it eat you alive? Potentially. It depends right? It's really dependent on you. But ultimately, we have to be able to put our trust in the other person to handle what we have to say and to put the trust in yourself that you can handle whatever the outcome is of the conversation. So putting your trust in the other person to handle what you have to say and putting trust in yourself that you can handle whatever the outcome is of that conversation. I think that's really, really important to remember. Um, so one of the next points is to be conscious of how you identify as, a, as yourself. It's okay to be someone who deals with anxiety. That's totally fine. But don't let that take over and then start identifying, you know, in every aspect as an anxious person. So I usually will remind myself sometimes when it comes up, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I deal with anxiety sometimes. 
And that, yes, I can be an anxious person in some situations, but I don't think of myself as an anxious person. And I think that that's a really important defining factor because what we cultivate grows. My, my coach, Mary Alice, always says that. She, uh, she was in episode 23. She came on the podcast. And she, she goes a lot into mindset and sort of stepping into the best version of yourself. And this is something that she, that she repeats a lot and it stays really stuck in my head is that what we cultivate grows. If we think of ourselves as nothing more than an anxious person, what are we going to become? An anxious person. And it will probably become much worse than it currently is. So we have to identify ourselves in, in other ways. And yes, we might be someone who, who deals with anxiety sometimes, and that's totally fine. But we don't have to identify as that being our defining characteristic. The language that we use even to ourselves matters. Actually, that's another episode. I'm going to reference all of these other episodes in the show notes, I promise, that you can go check them all out because they're all incredible. Uh, Episode number 19, uh, talking about neuro-linguistic programming with uh, my friend Elizabeth Sherman. And it was incredible to see how we can reprogram ourselves, reprogram our habits even. But one of the big factors with uh, neuro-linguistic programming or NLP is that the language we use matters. The language we use even in our own heads matters because again, what, what we cultivate grows and that can really lead to a lot of issues if we're cultivating the wrong thing. <laughs> Not that there's right or wrong, but nobody I don't think wants to be necessarily wants to be known as the anxious person to themselves even, like even if nobody else is thinking that, nobody wants to think that of themselves, right? That I, that I know of. I mean, I think that we would like to think of ourselves in a little bit uh, slightly different terms. And we don't want to have to identify with that. So it's really, really important to make that distinction too. Ultimately, all of these things are to say is that there are all kinds of different forms of action that we can take to combat, uh, to combat anxiety, whether, you know, it's as a preventative measure, or maybe we're kind of in the thick of it. And there's, there's one tiny little step that we can take to start to pull ourselves out of it, whatever that looks like for you some form of taking action is going to be so, so helpful for you. And action is really how we grow. And that's what this podcast is all about, is about there's always room to grow, right? (laughs) And I actually had a a former coach uh, that would always say action over anxiety. And it could not be more true, at least again, for me and, and for most people that I've talked to, they agree that taking even the smallest step of action, something that might seem so minuscule that it doesn't even seem like it's making a difference to you, that can be so incredibly game-changing. If if you're a business owner, maybe there's something, some huge project that you want to work on and, and you've had in your list forever, it can seem super overwhelming enough to give you anxiety over it. But what you need to do then is to break that down into the smallest possible steps. Break that, that project apart so that you can do just one tiny step. And I have always found that even just that small step will bring me out of anxiety. And even just little things like, you know, getting outside for a walk, showering and getting dressed, putting on makeup, maybe if that's your thing. Sometimes I don't usually wear much makeup at all, but sometimes I purposely put on makeup just because it makes me feel good once in a while. I'll put on mascara and it just sort of like, brightens my day for some reason. I'm eating a nutrient dense meal. That's the other thing. How often when we're anxious, do we reach for the foods that maybe aren't as 
great for us. And there is nothing wrong with that. Again, like I'm, I'm the first one to say, have the chocolate when you want it, like have some, you know, a handful of chips, whatever you want. But it's really important to remember that when we're in anxiety, like I said before about being really closely related to blood sugar, maybe have a salad first or, you know, some vegetables or, or something like that, some sort of protein and, and healthy fats and stuff like that. And then maybe, you know, have a piece of chocolate or something, something along those lines, whatever it is that you're into, but being really clear on how that is affecting you and really noticing how that is, is affecting your anxiety. There have been times where if I've been eating on a relatively empty stomach and I eat a bunch of chocolate, I notice right away, my heart rate goes up. Um, I, I immediately start to feel more anxious. It's definitely noticeable for me. So just being really conscious of that and really noticing what's working for you and, and what isn't even, I mean, this doesn't mean that you need to force yourself to do everything on your to-do list to take some for some form of action, but there are just really small things that might seem so minuscule that can really change the game for you and just start to pull you out of, of feeling anxious so that you can start to get yourself into a little bit better place. Taking action is just so key. And there's, there's uh, lots of action steps that I've given today and you can, I mean, try and take on all of them if you want to, or just start with one little step. That's really all that it requires. So just a reminder, um, I am doing the, the webinar on September 20th at 8 PM Eastern. If you're listening to this in real time, uh, there is lots of time to still sign up. And the webinar is my three myth busting secrets to conquering your stress, willpower, and the all or nothing mindset to quit dieting forever. And I don't know if that sounds as good to you as it does to me, but <laughs> it's, it's all tools that I have really picked up along the way, uh, working with individuals and in my own life to really get over this whole myth around willpower and, and feeling super restrictive around food all the time. And then having it go the opposite direction. It's really tough to manage and it's not a good feeling. And frankly, it used to give me anxiety. It used to give me all kinds of anxiety. Food used to be one of my biggest sources of it because I was always stressing about it. I was always thinking about my next meal and, and what am I going to eat? And when I go to this event, how am I going to trust myself around the dessert table? Like there's so many different aspects of food that used to give me so much anxiety. And I can safely say now that food is one of the things that doesn't give me anxiety at all. <laughs> and this, you know, if, if this is you, I think that this webinar is going to be a really big game changer for you. And I'm really, really excited about it. I've been putting my heart and soul into the webinar. I've got so much information in there that I'm so pumped to share with you that I think are really going to shift how you deal with food. So I'm super, super pumped about that. Make sure to go sign up for that. Uh, we'll be in the show notes over at roomtogrowpodcast.com for this episode, uh, episode number 25, or just whatever app you're listening on right now, check the show notes that are right in the app and uh, the webinar link to sign up will be hyperlinked uh, right there. So you can just click on that, jump over and sign up so that you will be notified with all the details. So I hope that this has been helpful that you have gotten uh, some things out of this. And I, I would love to hear from you about this and, and how 
you feel about anxiety, some personal experiences that you've maybe had, jump over to the Room to Grow podcast Facebook group. Uh, it's a really, really safe space. I, I'm, I'm very uh, clear about that to everyone who comes into the group. And the women in there are fantastic. We've been building a great little community that I just adore. And I'd love to see you in there. And, uh, and we can talk about this stuff a little bit more because I think that even just talking about it and being more open about anxiety can be really, really helpful. And I'm really excited to see that more people are being uh, much more open about this. So I'm always happy to chat about this. Uh, make sure to reach out if you, if you want to discuss it. Uh, my email is info at emilygoffcoaching.com and I will talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. All show notes and references can be found over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And can you do me one huge favor before you go though? If you can take a, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on social media, I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you and thank you. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would go a long way and make such a huge difference. It really helps to get the word out there, get more amazing guests on the show and helps to get all of this information out to the world. Looking forward to growing with you.